You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Come join us in the studio now with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. I guess we have to call the Zoom studio now, Michael, since we've been recording via Zoom here the last, uh, I don't know how many months it's been now, but yeah. uh, eventually we'll get back together again. But no masks, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We're making yeah. progress, aren't we? Yeah. Hey, I just had a firsthand report of you in Breckenridge, Colorado at the Bolthouse Ranch there. Right. Uh, you were singing and teaching, right? Right. And uh, let me say, I was at... 10,000 feet. Uh, you know, Denver's the mile high city. That's about 5,000 feet. This is twice that high. Yeah. How was the air up there? <laughs> it pretty thin, pretty thin. And, uh, but uh, we did, we had a great, great, uh, great experience there. I got to teach, uh, did a concert one night and then the next day taught all day on the life of Jesus with some sweet, sweet folks up there. But it was, uh, it was definitely an experience. Well, I just finished a Christian radio conference as we record this, and Ron Davis was there and had just come from being with you right. in Breckenridge. So I got right. to hear all about it, and we're so excited to know you're back out there again. So uh, more information at michaelcard.com for upcoming events and teaching and music. So glad to have you back out there, Mike. Great. Well, it's good It's good to be back out. I'm about to pack up and uh, head out to Sandy Cove, Maryland for a conference oh, there yeah. so uh yeah. just cool. just checked it out on my uh, google maps and it's a 13 hour drive so that's gonna that's gonna be a good chance to listen to some podcasts with uh, wayne shepherd <laughs> i'll give you a list to listen to yeah hey we are thankful for our listeners to this podcast uh, sanjay writes thank you for your music god has used it to draw me near to him since i became a believer in 1993 and then in mm. response to the song things we leave behind Blair says, God bless each of you. Another excellent podcast. My husband and I had just had a discussion of the significance or lack thereof of the stuff. Stuff doesn't enhance my peace. Can't find joy there. Mm. So thanks for that comment. Tom says, we listen as often as we're able. Well, we have a new episode uh, released each week, whether it's uh, a classic edition of the program or a new recording. You can uh, you can set your clock by a release that uh, Joe Carlson, our producer, puts out each Monday in the studio with Michael Card. All right, coming up, great conversations today. Dr. George Guthrie will join us in a few minutes to help us untangle the mystery of the cursing of the fig tree. We'll get to that with George here today. And then later, Marvin Young will join us. Marvin from Franklin, Tennessee, has a unique prayer event going on there we want to hear all about. So all that ahead, along with some of Michael's music, including this song we begin with now, By Faith, Michael Card in the studio. By faith one was commended for the sacrifice he made Another out of holy fear Built an ark the world to save Another left his homeland And as a stranger he'd reside But none received the promise then And so in faith they died Others conquered kingdoms, 
and quench the fury of the flame. Some made strong in battle, some were raised to life again, but many more were martyred amidst the crowd's loud clamoring. By faith they would not bow the knee or kiss the emperor's ring. Steve Mike Sell with bass, Paul Eckberg on percussion there. Michael, I want to urge our listeners right now to uh, grab a copy of the Bible. Hopefully you have a CSB Bible right there in front of you. Uh, That's what we're using. But uh, grab a copy of the scriptures and turn to Mark chapter 11 and buckle up because this is a passage that so many people are troubled by how to interpret this. And we're going to get some great help here from our good friend, Dr. George Guthrie, professor of New Testament at Regent College. 
And uh, Michael, this this guy George, I mean, he's he's our man, right? Well, George and I have been friends for a long time. He's been a real encourager to me. I mean, to be accepted within his very elite circle of biblical scholars has been a great encouragement uh, for me. And we've spent a lot of good time together just as buddies. So thanks for yep. uh, for joining us, George. It's good to see your face. Via Zoom here, Dr. George Guthrie. George? Oh, it's uh, it's so good to be back uh, with you guys. I I always enjoy this. And Michael, it's the other way around. I get uh-huh. to I get to kind of be in the hip, you know, musician yeah, yeah. crowd for a few <laughs> minutes. And for a for a biblical <laughs> scholar, you know, to be have anything that has anything to do with coolness is uh, yes. just a, you know, a, a great opportunity. So yeah, the 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 elite banjo player circle. I mean, a lot of people are really striving to get into that circle. So I right. Now that we have established this mutual admiration society, let's <laughs> let, let's dig into Mark well, chapter 11 here. Well, and this is a passage that has always bothered me. Uh, George and I actually became friends through, through Bill Lane, through uh, this other wonderful biblical scholar uh, who's impacted so many people's lives. Um, and I have a tape of Bill teaching on this, and uh, and I, I still this is this is a passage that absolutely um, mystifies me. Some people say, "Oh, this is the only example of of a destructive miracle because Jesus destroys the fig tree and that sort of thing." And so I'm anxious to hear George to hear what you've come up with, all the backgrounds from the Hebrew Bible and that sort of thing. But the way I read it. Is Jesus is just basically kind of still angry. He's just turned over the the the, the tables of the money money changers, and they're leaving the temple. He's still sort of mad, and his disciples are making small talk. What do you think? Yeah, it's very very interesting uh, that when you read the history of interpretation of this passage, you do have people who are profoundly scandalized by it. You know, who said mm. this is. Uh, this is an example of of why we can't go with the ethics of Jesus or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, because you know he he does this uh, destructive uh, act, and there are lay people who who are bothered by it. You know, because it it sounds unfair. You know, the fig tree it wasn't even the season for figs. Yeah, right. Expecting to find something, so I think I think that um, some keys to this have to do with what is going on in the bigger picture of the context. So Jesus has come to Jerusalem. Um, you have in eleven one through ten, you have the triumphal entry, right, which is all setting up the mess, the Messiah coming to Jerusalem, and a big uh, kind of expectation during that time of the Messiah was that the Messiah would come and reconstitute the temple, would put the temple right. You know, and there were a lot of different Jewish groups who did not like what was going on uh, in the Jerusalem temple and with the Jerusalem temple at this time. So uh, the the broader context here is you you come to the fig tree story, uh, Jesus having gone into the temple and looked at the temple there in the previous verse, you have the first part of the fig tree story. Then you have the cleansing of the temple is what we call uh, the passage in 15 through 17. And then you go back to the fig tree uh, and kind of have the conclusion to the fig tree story. And what this is mm-hmm. called uh, from a literary standpoint is a big word, intercalation. It's a sandwich structure where you start one story and then you 
pick up with an, a second story and then you go back and you finish the first story. If you if you think about Mark 5, it, this happens with Jairus's daughter and the woman with the flow of blood too. And the key to what's going on there is that you interpret those stories one in light of the other. So whatever is going on with the cursing of the fig tree, it is it is just woven together with what is going on with Jesus's temple action of, of casting people out of the temple. And then also his temple saying is really important where he points to Jeremiah 7 and Isaiah 56. So uh, let's just kind of kind of start there with kind of the framework we need to interpret these two stories, one in light of the other. All right. So we cannot separate them. We shouldn't separate them. And that's very helpful in and of itself, George. Yeah. Great start. Yeah. And so I think what's going on here, big picture, is that the, the cursing of the fig tree is a prophetic action. Uh, if you think mm. back to those acts in the, of the prophets in the Old Testament, where they did something that was symbolic, it didn't right. really have significance in and of itself. Uh, it wasn't just the prophet reacting to the immediate situation. It was, it was the prophet doing something that was a, a, a dramatic picture of uh, a proclamation, you know, a judgment. So it's sort of an attention-getting device. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's attention-getting, and it is an act that is, uh, is, is kind of in place of the prophetic word of judgment, if you could say it that way. All right? Okay. So does that, does that kind of give us a framework to begin with? Yeah. And, um, and, and you can imagine the disciples, you know, sort of looking on, and like you said before, it wasn't even the season for figs. So, you know, what in the world is he doing? What is this all about? He's got my attention right away. Yeah. Well, so let me, let me kind of then move to the backdrop of this in the Old Testament, because I think this is really the key to unlocking both the fig tree story and what Jesus is doing in casting people out of the temple. Okay. Good. Okay. Let's right. go there. Okay, so when you when you go to Jeremiah seven, so Jesus quotes uh, parts of two different passages in the temple, saying, um, "You you've turned uh, you know the house into a, a den of robbers." That's Jeremiah seven, and my house is to be a house of prayer. Uh, that's uh, Isaiah fifty six. Okay, so mm-hmm. let me take those two contexts and say a few things about each one of them, and then you can kind of tell me what you think. So okay. uh, if you go back to the context of Jeremiah 7, 11, this is Jeremiah's temple sermon. And it's all about the Babylonian exile is coming, the temple's going to be destroyed, and you people mm-hmm. are going to be uh, exiled. The unthinkable is happening. It's it, The unthinkable is happening. And there are yeah. three themes if you read through that sermon in Jeremiah 7 and then into Jeremiah 8, there are three themes that are really relevant for both the fig tree story and the, and the temple cleansing story in Mark 11. Uh, first of all, in 720, in Jeremiah 720, uh, Jeremiah says the word of the Lord that says, my anger will be poured out on the land mm. and on people and on the trees of the land. So part of the prophetic act that God's going to do is he's actually going to pour out his wrath on even the trees of the land. Secondly, and even more clear, clearly related here, 
In Jeremiah 8, 13 is that passage that says, when this judgment happens, there will be no figs on the fig tree. And the leaves wow. of the fig tree will wither and they're oh. going to fall off. The Hebrew term there is, is question, you know, it's, there's a question of whether it means fall off or wither or whatever, but it's, it's basically the same thing. And then the third theme that's <laughs> so interesting is in 7, 14, and 15, and then in 8, 3, God says, this is my judgment. I will cast you out of this place. Hmm. He's going to cast them out of the temple. He's going to cast them out of the land. And this is one of the main things that's been missed in uh, interpretation of Mark. If you go and you read dozens of interpretations of Jesus, the significance of Jesus casting out people from the temple, uh, they will say it's either a cleansing of the temple. In other words, setting the temple right so the Gentiles can really come into that outer court to worship, or it is a form of judgment that says destruction is coming, you know, that the temple act of casting out is actually, a, they would say, a proleptic sign, which just means that mm -hmm. uh, talking about the judgment that's coming, the destruction of the temple, and this is just kind of an act that shows the destruction, uh, or it's a combination of the two. I want to add the third, a third interpretation that's important. I do think that it's heralding destruction, but I think what it's also heralding is if for those people who do not listen to the words of Jesus— who do not buy into the kingdom, there's actually going to be another literal exile that, that's like the Babylonian exile. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened in AD 70 with the destruction of the mm -hmm. temple. Jerusalem was emptied, except, you know, from, from about two-thirds of its population. People were driven from the land, and the Jews were sold as slaves all over the Mediterranean world. And um, mm -hmm there was really kind of a renewed exile that would take place. And I think you have that in the words of Jeremiah. So one side of what's going on in all of this story is that Jesus curses the fig tree and casts people out of the temple in kind of tying into Jeremiah's temple sermon to say, you know, the things that were going on then with bad leaders and the implications of not hearing and listening to the word of the Lord is utter destruction and exile. And I think Jesus is saying we're about to see a repeat of that. So what happens to the fig tree happens to Israel. Yes. But uh, I think it is Israel living in the implications of their leaders not hearing and responding to the word of Jesus, which is the same mm -hmm. thing that was going on in Jeremiah's day. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is Isaiah 56, and this is so cool because uh, often when this passage is interpreted, it's interpreted just on the, the negative judgment side, but there's a flip side of the coin going on here. My house will be a house of prayer, and if you go back to Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8, is a beautiful prophecy about the, the incoming of the nations of the Gentiles to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And he actually wow. talked about the alien, which would be us, you know, the Gentiles, and the eunuch, which would be a Jewish person who was not allowed to worship on the inner parts of the temple because of their physical condition. And mm -hmm. listen to this. In verse 3 of Isaiah 56, it says, Let not the eunuch say, I am a withered tree. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> withered trees are going to okay. be... The insiders to the temple 
there. So now the outsiders, uh-huh. the person who would normally be an outsider, a eunuch, is going to be an insider who gets to be in the house of the Lord and worship worship the God of Israel. Mm. Okay, can I insert a sidebar here? Absolutely. One of the, one of the new things that I began seeing in the life of Jesus is that he doesn't simply quote the Hebrew Bible; he thinks in the Hebrew Bible. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. right. This is a great example of that. Yeah, I think whereas a lot of times in the New Testament, the authors are clearly dealing with the Septuagint, you know, with the Greek translation of the Old Testament. There are reasons for thinking that what's going on in the language behind Jesus's words is the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's really, really important here that mm-hmm. these go back to the words of Jesus, you know, and Jesus would have been, been thinking in terms of, uh, of the Hebrew text, I think. And so, mm-hmm. so, so what you end up with is two sides of the coin. Yes, for those who reject the kingdom and do not listen to the words of Jesus, there are going to be implications in life that are not great. But uh, there's going to be uh, the promise that we get to participate in the true temple, the ultimate eschatological temple that God had in mind all along, and that his people would be the temple. And so that's the other side of the coin here in the fig tree and the, and the temple cleansing, is that there's a promise side to this that says those who respond to Jesus and the kingdom get to really participate in the house of prayer. And that's what you have Following the, the the end of the fig tree story, Jesus goes into that beautiful passage on prayer. And what you've really done, George, is you've sort of rediscovered the way Jesus engaged with that original text, and uh, and then and then brought it back to to illumine that this new test the New Testament the the passage in Mark eleven. I think this is amazing. It's amazing it to is. see the. To see the way his mind works and the way he listens to the Hebrew Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's one of the great things that has happened, in, especially in the past 40 or 50 years, is there's been a kind of a rediscovery of the Jewishness of Jesus and the whole context. And part yeah. of that has been going back and thinking about how the rabbis uh, appropriated the, the scriptures. And uh, so it's just it's just a wonderful thing to kind of settle into the Word of God at a deep level with Jesus. Mm. This has been amazing. It makes mm. me want to grow right back into the Old Testament and start digging all over again, George. Mm. So thank you for that. And Michael, this Jewishness of Jesus, this is something you've been thinking a lot about and writing about and preparing another book, right? Yeah. In fact, I just I just finished a book. George, have you seen the the Galilean Jewishness of Jesus? Uh, I have not Bernard, seen that book. Here, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Bernard Lee. Okay. I have not seen it's that. Not right. just the you, Jewishness of Jesus, but the Galilean Jewishness of Jesus. It's really interesting. Okay. I, I need to take a look at that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. See how iron sharpens iron? These, uh. these, guys, are, these guys are amazing. <laughs> We're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. But I think the perfect song, and George, you used this phrase a few moments ago, the perfect song is the one that has a question mark from Michael, will you not listen? So, George, we're going to say goodbye to you, and thank you for uh, being with us today here in the studio with Michael Card, and we're going to listen to Michael's song, Will You Not Listen? Is not he who formed the ear 
Worth the time it takes to hear Should he who formed our lips for speaking Be not heeded when he speaks Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken love to us Why will you not listen? Listen to the sacred silence Listen to the holy word Listen as he speaks through living Parables that must be heard Parables that must be heard Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken peace to us. Why will you not listen? He spoke a word of flesh and blood, flesh and blood that bled and died, bled and died just to be heard. How could you not hear this word? Why will you not hear this word? Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken hope to us. How could you not listen? Why will you not listen? Will You Not Listen? Music from Michael Card, recorded in studio, and this is In the Studio with Michael Card. Hey, uh, let's talk about the CSB Reader's Bible for a moment. You know, Mike, when I was handed this Bible, I looked at it and I thought, well, I can't very easily look up a passage because there's no verse numbers and chapter numbers. Right. But then as I got reading it, it's really a pretty wonderful idea, actually. I love, I love just the flow of the narrative. Yeah, and uh, for our listeners, let, let, let them know that they're— the difference of this edition is that there are no chapter verses. Well, you can read them on the bottom, but there's no verse verse divisions. It just it's just a block of text. Right. It's like a book. Yeah, and and the way I look at it, the the, the chapters can be a little speed bumps. Right. We're used to reading <laughs> the Bible with you know these numbers and it stops that, and starts. Yes, I understand that. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that. That helps you find your way around. But to just have this. Pure experience, uh, especially I like it when I'm uh, reading the Bible at night. It's just text. It's the way the text originally was, I must say, because the original Greek and Hebrew text didn't have numbers, <gasps> right? No, no. no. <laughs> you're, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> and so what you have is not just a fresh translation, but you've got this fresh experience of reading without any any boundaries, uh, without any uh, numbers to sort of step over. And I think it's a wonderful right. experience. Yeah, I hope to spend more time with it because, uh, in, you know, as you say, when you can quiet yourself and just sit down and just read the narrative uh, and let it flow, I think this is yeah. a wonderful idea, the CSB Reader's Bible. So yeah. thanks, Michael, so much to think about. And there's still more ahead after we pause for the halfway break. This edition is part of an extensive collection of classic and current editions for you to explore on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you'll share the link with your friends on social media so they can experience what you've found on the podcast. And if what you're hearing in today's session has prompted you to study the Bible, look online for more from Michael that can help. 
Look for Michael's latest book titled The Nazarene and find other books, music, and news about upcoming concerts and conferences at michaelcard.com. We're always glad to hear from listeners, so post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or send your comments, questions, or song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation waiting for you after this brief break here in the studio with Michael Card. This month, we're featuring the CSB Reader's Bible. Here's Michael with more about this unique Bible edition. I'm always encouraging people to read blocks of Scripture to get the flow of the narrative. The Reader's Bible opens up a whole new way to experience the Word of God to us without the interruptions from chapter and verse references. Search for the CSB Reader's Bible at csbible.com. Find the Bible style you want to order and apply your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with LifeWay. The CSB Reader's Bible. Rediscover the wonder of God's Word to us, free from the distractions of chapter and verse references. I'm confident you'll have a fresh experience with the storyline of the Bible as you concentrate on the message of the words in this current and clear translation. Search for the CSB Reader's Bible now at csbible.com. in the storm and you can find it if you will Us 
Soul Anchor. Thank you, Michael. You know, those lessons from George Guthrie are still resonating in me. Uh, what a great uh, conversation with George. But we have a good conversation to come now with Marvin Young, who joins us on the telephone. Uh, you know Marvin, don't you? Yeah, Marvin is a good friend uh, here in Franklin, and uh, we in ministry together. He he uh, has taken leadership in uh, in terms of a, a Friday meeting on the square for prayer, and also a, a, a larger event uh, that we call Prayer on the Square. And uh, okay. he he's really he's the guy that. Uh, uh, pulls everybody together and inspires everyone to prayer, and uh, he's uh, he's from uh, Louisiana, and he c- kills and cooks and eats alligators. So uh, how about that? Uh, Marvin, I think you made an impression on Mike uh, for a couple of reasons there. <laughs> prayer on the square and the alligator cooking. That, that sounds pretty unique. Yeah. My, my, my. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, we won't go into alligator recipes here today, though. So, But we do want to hear about <laughs> prayer on the square. Now, Michael, I've driven through downtown Franklin dozens and dozens of times, and it's a very picturesque little southern town, but I didn't know what was going on there for the kingdom. So, Marvin, tell us, what is this? Well, you know, first I have to, I really have to tell you the history of, um, of how we started Prayer on the Square. I was actually invited about four years ago from another pastor to come join him um, on Friday mornings at 6.30 to pray. And uh, to be honest with you, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, it can't be God. <laughs> God want me to get up at 6.30 to go out and walk around downtown Franklin to pray. What am I praying for? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was obedient, and we began to um, meet each other downtown um, on the square in Franklin and walk around. There's a, there's a statue in the middle of downtown Franklin they call Chip. And um, we walked around that for seven times and prayed. We, we would pray for our community. We've always prayed for unity. We've always prayed for healing and revival. And um, so we did that together three years. And after three years of he and I walking together, the Lord sent um, Pastor Marty Curley to Columbia and left me on the square by myself. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord, what am I to do? And he said, just pray. And shortly after, um, I invited some others, and more more people began to join me. And at one point, we had almost fifty five people out there praying every wow. Friday morning at six thirty. And um, so, when when that amount of people began to join me, we began to talk, and we decided that you know, hey, we should do something, you know, in our community, you know, a prayer gathering. So we decided to put um prayer gathering together right there in downtown Franklin called Franklin Prayer on the Square. And it was a gathering with the um, with the motive to, to bring our community together first. It was a lot going on in America at the time. And, you know, America, we believe, needed healing. We believe that it also needed unity. And we believe that the only way those things would happen is through, is through revival. So we began to... Um, put on what is called Franklin Prayer on the Square. We've had two events now, and praise God. Thank you so much, Michael. I love you. He's been a part of both of them, and um, it's been phenomenal. People love it, and everywhere you go around Franklin now, people have heard of Franklin Prayer on the Square. And I learned from you, Marvin, that nothing happens, that is nothing happens without prayer. That's right. Nothing. Nothing, you know, 
we can search the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we find that nothing God has ever done, um, miraculous in here, has, has taken place without prayer. Prayer has always been God's way of introducing himself. Marvin, this conversation is taking place on a Friday, so I know you had a time of prayer this morning, even as we're talking right now. Yes, tell us, as an example of what goes on, describe that for us and tell us what happened. Well, again, we meet down every every um, Friday morning at 6.30, and um, this morning, actually, we had a wonderful gathering. We had close to 30 people this morning that joined us, and we walk around the square, and we pray for specific things. We we do pray for unity, healing, and revival, as you said, but we also pray for leaders in the community. We pray for the youth. We pray for, you know, the businesses. We pray for so many things, and, you know, things that God kind of lays in our hearts. And I tell the people that's praying, whatever the Lord leads you to pray for, you pray for that, because that's why he sent you out here to pray. Hmm. So I like people to be spirit-led and listen to what the Spirit needs them to pray for, because that's what God needs us to do, is be obedient to what he's sending us out to do. But we had a phenomenal time on the square this morning. Hey, I want to ask you, what's been the biggest obstacle in terms of, uh, you know, w- w- in terms of having a fight to keep this, this vision going? What's been the hardest, hardest thing to overcome? <laughs> Besides the enemy, you mean? <laughs> yeah. You're, hey, you're not I, supposed I, yeah. to, you're not supposed to laugh at that question. Okay. Now go. <laughs> You, you, you know, honestly, I think one of the biggest challenges we have is, is I think, the discipline in Christians or believers. Um, I hate to say it this way, but I'll be honest. I think believers are really lazy when it comes to, to doing something, especially early in the morning, to, um, to compel God to move on our behalf. And we were speaking about that actually just this morning on the square because I run across people every day and I invite them to the square. And when I tell them six 30 in the morning, Oh, that's rather early. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when we see the moves of God, God has always moved early in the morning, you know? So I believe one of the, the hardest things to deal with actually, honestly, is to deal with the, 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 the lack of discipline in believers. We, we don't want to get up early to pray. Marvin, let me ask you, for you personally, how has it changed you, and if it has in some way? Oh, wow. It's changed me. Uh, I don't think we have the time to speak about it, <laughs> <laughs> about the changes that it's brought in me. It's, it's, I can say one thing, that it's actually matured me in so many ways as a believer, in ways that, that I had no idea I needed to grow in. It also disciplined me in many ways, and it humbled me made me very humble to really to to see the hand of God move and do things you know outside of the natural scope of what we believe ministry is you know um, coming up for me in ministry ministry was always within the four walls although I've done many outreach um, things for the church but I've come to really understand that the four walls actually bind us from doing what God wants us to do as a church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In introducing you, uh-huh. we introduced you as, you know, a skilled chef and that sort of thing. Are, do you have an official role in the church? Are you a layman? Who is Marvin Young? I'm a pastor of One Heart Ministries 
in the mansion here in Franklin, Tennessee. All right. Um, we are, you know, we're, we're a small ministry that doesn't stop us from doing what God's called us to Sure. Do. So as people around the country and even the world are listening to this, uh, you are a pastor leading this, but it doesn't necessarily have to be pastor-led, does it? It doesn't necessarily have to be. I, I believe it's, you know, God will choose to use anyone that wants to be obedient and willing to make the sacrifice to do it. Yeah, and let me let me add this. Uh, on top of his pastoral ministry, the prayer on the square is something uh, something additional to his other responsibilities that Marvin has taken up. So, um, and, and and he's he has a wonderful gift of of rallying people when we do have the bigger events. Uh, you've got people from every denomination. You've got uh, he has musicians. He has. Uh, people that are part of the uh, the city government, and um, it, it's it really is a phenomenal it's a phenomenal ministry, and and I've been encouraging him to think in terms of uh, you know on top of everything else he has to do <laughs> uh, to start sharing this as a model for other other towns, mm-hmm. uh, organizing a prayer on the square, and or and and and. Uh, rallying uh, pastors uh, from all denominations to come together and pray, because I think that's something that has a tremendous potential. Uh, and uh, again, I learned from Marvin that nothing happens without prayer. And Marvin, why does this have to take place outside the walls of the church? Why does this need to be in a public place? You know, I guess I had to ask myself that question as well in the beginning. You know, why, why does God want me to come out in the public and do something like that? especially walking around, honestly, a, a statue that I didn't really particularly care for. And um, so the Lord just really put in my heart to, number one, study the movements of revival and to even go back in the Old Testament and see the moves of God that he, he did in the Old Testament. And the funny thing is, when you look at the major moves of God, it was always something done corporately. You know, there is no great movement of God that ever occurred that does not begin with with prayer, and mostly with corporate prayer. So God brings people, I think he brings them out mm. from their comfort zones mm-hmm. and brings them in places and positions that he wants us in. It's not about us, where he wants us to be able to demonstrate what he's doing at that time. Yeah. In a few minutes, we're going to spend some time in prayer together, but uh, there's an untold part of this story, and you— you made a quick reference to it there, Marvin, but the statue, and we're not going to go into all the details of pros and cons, but the statue you're praying, walking around town there, that is a statue honoring the Confederacy. And here, you, and here you are walking and praying around that. <laughs> Personally, what, is that, what does that mean to you? Honestly, in the beginning, it was a struggle. And I really didn't want to do it, but, you know, I'm going to be obedient and do what the Lord tells me to do. But what, what my maturity was, was that God helped me to understand that those types of things should not be my focus, not when it comes to kingdom building, mm. because it's the past. And I know some people don't want to hear this, but it is the past. And if we're ever going to move forward into our future, especially here in America, we have to learn to put some of that past behind us focus on God and allow him to move us into the future that he's designed for us. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at the Second Chronicles 7 passage. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face, which is another way of saying pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Um, that is that the foundational uh, verse uh, for prayer on the square? That, 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 that's one of them. Yes, it is. Mm. Yeah. And, um, that, that's actually one of the ones we try to focus on and, and uh, you know, help the people that's coming there. That we know when, when we come together, it's not about, you know, what denomination or where you're from or whatever, what, what walk of life you're from. It's all about coming to that square, focusing on God and understanding his purpose for us on that square. And his purpose for us on that square is to unite as one and to corporately pray together for a move of God on what God desires to happen in his people, not what we want. Wonderful. Well, if you'll stay with us here, uh, Marvin, we're going to play a song by Michael that fits the moment, The Gentle Healer. And then when we come back, we want to pray together with you. So Marvin Young is with us here as we talk with Michael Card on In the Studio. Michael's song, The Gentle Healer. The gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and their darkness left to stay And the one who had died just rose up straight away The gentle healer came into our town today The gentle healer came into our town today He spoke one word, that was all he had to say And the one who had died just rose up straight away The gentle healer came into our town today Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man With dirty feet and rough but gentle hands But the words he says Are hard to understand And yet he seems like Just an ordinary man The gentle healer He left our town today I just looked around And found he'd gone Some folks from town who'd followed him, they say That the gentle healer is the truth, the life, the way Dear Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would just wake us up in this generation So that we can proclaim your gospel, the truth of your word for our future generations, O Lord, and Father, we just pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, that we may not miss what you have for us in this time. God, we pray that we would walk in every gift you have anointed us with. Spiritually wake us up, O Lord, that we're able to declare and speak your word and revive our spirit to walk in your anointing and the fullness of who you are. Father, we just thank you today, God. We honor you. And Lord, we pray that you would just Wake us up in this season, God. Help us 
to come together as one, O oh Lord. Help us to come together in the body, Lord, to love one another, to help us heal, O oh Lord. Help us unite as one, Father, that we are able to walk with one another, God, as we walk according to your word in love, that we're not looking at one another as separate from each other, but that we're one in the body and that we love one another as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And Father, we just praise you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I want to thank you for my brother. Uh, thank you for the gift of giftedness that you've wrapped up in him, for the for the unique burdens that he has for your people and for uh, and for our town. Thank you that we can come together, uh, not right now in the square, but in in the the square of this uh, world of of uh, digitally this way that that you've brought us together here at this spot right now at this moment, um, and we pray, Lord, that you would. Um, Teach us to humble ourselves. Help us to see who we are in you and that you define us and that you tell us who we are. Uh, help us to seek your face. Um, Lord, uh, there, there's so many distractions, so many things that stand between us and you, and we ask, Holy Spirit, yeah. that, uh, that those things would be pushed aside and we would see your face and you would give us the grace and the strength and the good sense to turn uh, from those things that keep us from you. And um, we, we, we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you've brought us together as brothers and that you've given us this time uh, in history that we could stand for you and, and, and be your men. And, uh, and we ask that you would allow us to do that um, in, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I've never met it more. Mm-hmm. I agree. Amen. Marvin Young, thank you. Michael, thank you. And uh, our hope is that as people listen, perhaps this is an idea they can pick up for their own community. So if you'd like to learn more about Franklin's Prayer on the Square and perhaps have your own prayer gathering, go to our website, michaelcard.com, and look for the links to Marvin's ministry, michaelcard.com. Thanks, Marvin, for being with us today. Thank you all for having me. Here's Michael Card now with another song. John Ketchings plays cello with Michael. Never will I leave you. Trust in me and keep your life free from what the love of money will do. Am I not enough for you? And never will I leave you. That's something I'll never do. Forever remember that it's true. Never will I Something I'll never 
it's true Never will I leave you And when you fear That when I'm near Your soul's security Oh, when will you Something I'll never do Forever remember That it's true Never will I leave you Never will I leave you meaningful song to complete this session. We're glad you've been with us as we've engaged with God's Word and learned how to express what we've found in our daily lives. And we hope you'll take a moment and share your reactions to this hour. Post a comment on Michael Card Music's Facebook page. Write a review on Apple Podcasts or share the link to what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. We're glad for the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com to learn more about the great Bible editions that can aid in your personal growth as you get serious about God's Word. This month, we're featuring the CSB Reader's Bible. This unique edition provides the perfect opportunity to read the Bible in its original and simplified form, uninterrupted by verse and chapter references. Search for the CSB Reader's Bible. And when you order, use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. Now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for joining us for this session in the studio with Michael Card.